At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is The Middle on the SportsMap Radio Network. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. I found, and shame on me for not knowing this off the top of my head, but I was watching an old King of Queens rerun, and there is a classic. Ah, jeez. Really? <laughs> yes. Doug's Who dad. Doug Heffernan's dad. Oh, who was God. like the quintessential Queens, New York dad accent, right? I'll, I'll explain it all coming up. Maybe maybe that'll be a nice little story to decide on Tuesday. But we'll have a lot to talk about recapping a Monday night football game. And that's where we begin with John McMullen, our NFL insider, at JF McMullen on Twitter. It's the middle, Barrett Brooks, Harry, Harry Mays, Aton Shatter. You know who it is. You know us probably too well to a fault. Let's start here. We'll start with a maybe a different way of asking the same question that you and I'm sure others have asked and have been asked now for the last couple of days, John. We've set the over-under, courtesy of Matt Mullen at Philly Voice, eight and a half total snaps tonight for Jalen Hurts. Where do you stand on that? Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to say Doug, Doug goes rogue and he goes under. And says, I'm not going to do this nonsense because I, I, I don't think it makes any sense either. There's a lot of cliches in football. Obviously, one of them is if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. So uh, if you don't want Carson Wentz playing, sit him and play Jalen Hurts. If not, play Carson Wentz. Hmm. Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, well, I, I mean, I think Howie is, is kind of sticking his nose in here, and this is his plan. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see Doug go rogue. I'll say that. What will happen? He'll probably do what he's told. So that was my question. You think you, you believe this is a front office move? Oh, yeah, no question. Hmm. And, and I just wrote about this on, on, on Sports Illustrated. It's, you know, Jeffrey Lurie's got to step in here. When he reshaped this, in the wake of Chip Kelly, he was talking about this collaborative approach, and it worked mm-hmm. at first. And I, and I think everybody thought Howie Roseman learned from his time on the other side of the building uh, and changed completely. I think he's now reverting back to Howie Roseman 1.0. Uh, and he's, got a, he's always had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder as far as that whole not being a football guy thing. Uh, and he's sticking his nose in personnel. He's deciding who, who the practice squad guys being elevated are, who the inactives are on game day. You know, if you see Doug Peterson last week constantly contradicting himself, whether it's about Carson Wentz being the starter, about Jalen Hurts not getting extra reps, about Jason Peters staying at left tackle only to revert uh, a couple of days later. 
You know, it strikes me as this is a guy who was going up to the microphone, up to the so-called podium, which is now a Zoom studio, and he doesn't have the information from the guys telling him what to do. That's kind of disheartening that you're saying that um, he he does the inactives. He tells who's coming up, who's going down on the practice squad. I mean, that's that's something that the coach does. He he talks to his 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 you know the the coordinators. Well, he's the offense coordinator, but a defense coordinator and and special teams guy to see who they need and how they could use who. And you you can't really have uh, people upstairs making those type of decisions because they don't know. They're not in the trenches, especially during practice, to see what you have and what you don't have going into the game. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, Barrett, it's not rare for, for GNs with personnel power to, to uh, stick their toes in the water when it comes to that kind of stuff. It, but usually it's not that big of a deal. Usually everybody's on the same page. Usually a GM's not going to push if a coach says, I want this guy up, I want this guy up. I, I don't know that if that's necessarily the case with Howie Roseman. And I think it's evident. There, there's only two explanations now Doug has been acting in press conference. One is he's overtly lying, and I don't see, uh, the, I, I don't see the positive to that. Right. Or B, he doesn't have the information. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see any other avenue. Yeah, when you say but I Howie, don't see. But I will say real quick, Howie sure. is involved in those decisions. I know that for a fact. This is just the, the same typical stuff, and I can't say the real world word, not until overtime at least, that we've seen for so long. But I am curious because you say you don't see any other avenue. I, I don't see any other avenue than Seattle wins tonight. There are two. One glaring number Harry brought up last week, and I'm going to add another one as far as, like, the knockout blow. So the jab-jab is the Seahawks are 6-0 and straight up against the spread, their last six trips to Philadelphia. Another one, and I got this here from Alan Bell, over the last 25 years since 96, teams in the Pacific time zone playing on the road in the Eastern time zone on Monday night, 13-0 and against wow. the spread. And then, if you're still up and want more, we have what you just laid out, which is a bad football team in Philadelphia in utter chaos, how does Philadelphia even compete, let alone win this game tonight? You know, I, I thought there was a small path if Zach Ertz was back. My, my whole thought there was that, you know, Doug has talked about simplifying the offense. You've seen uh, in, in Zach's absence, the other playmakers have had opportunities that haven't stepped up. Right. And I thought uh, with all the – noise around Carson once I thought he'd revert back to his security blanket and we'd have a double digit catch game from Zach Ertz and now they're slow walking Zach so I don't know if that's coming from Zach's side because he doesn't want a part of this circus uh, or or the Eagles side but I mean I was told this guy was ready a week before the 21 day practice window started now we're two weeks in and he's still not playing yeah a lot of, a lot of mixed messages John um you say no Zach Ertz. Well, there's no Lane Johnson now for the rest of the year, too. Uh, what does that offensive line look like tonight, and what did you make of Jeffrey Lurie not attending the Cleveland game last week? Well, I don't buy 
uh, visiting his mother on Thanksgiving because he, he would have been in quarantine before that, if that were the case. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, with his uh, obviously means, uh, travel is not like the rest of us schlubs who have to be around other people <laughs> in a closed tube. He's, he's right. taking private jets and private flights. So, I mean, he's frustrated. Uh, although, you see the report from Jeff McLean, and, you know, it's real. It's when people in that organization saying he's leaving practice out of disgust, I get, I, I, you know, he'd be the first owner I've, I've ever known who understands what's going on in the practice field. So clearly to me that disgust has to do with other things than the X's and O's of football. It has to do with the personalities. It has to do with how people are dealing with each other. Because, I mean, it's not an insult. I mean, people have been around this league in media for 25 years. They don't have a full grasp of what's going on in practice. So I don't think it could be that. It has to be the personalities. Yeah, you're talking about the superficial stuff, Nero, not the X's and O's, the concrete stuff yeah. you see, or, or the execution. You know, you're talking about how people have, you know, dealings with each other, relationships, you know. And, and in looking at that, you know, understanding who Carson is and what Carson has accomplished, you know, before this atrocious year, you know, I just heard that disturbing stat that 33 sacks were given up because he held the ball for more than four minutes, I mean, four seconds. Feels four like seconds. four minutes. The average time for, uh, for a quarterback to throw the ball is two and a half seconds. But the offensive line to hold their block for over four seconds and you still give up a sack, that's an atrocity. You know, what, what is going on with Carson? Does he need to get in that little black book? Well, little, they, they have iPad. They just need to get in that iPad now, uh, learn his plays better, understand where guys are supposed to be. Um, what is going on? I mean, I think he's lost his confidence, and he's lost his confidence from a number of things. It is partially poor offensive line play. It's poor receiving play. Guys not running right routes, running backs, uh, not being in the right spot for their outlets. So he's hesitant. You've seen a number of these, these film guys post clips. Well, they'll show receivers open, and he's not pulling the trigger. So he's not trusting what he sees. And you know, if you guys were watching Aaron Rodgers last night, I mean, the one touchdown to Devontae Adams, he held the football for six seconds. That's how much right. confidence he has in the pocket and his ability to understand what's going on. There's a difference. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you can hold the ball that long because you have that feel. Carson Wentz does not have that feel, and he's closer to Mitchell Trubisky these yeah. days. Than, than Aaron Rodgers. But, I mean, there's a lot of people that give you explanations. They, they start with Frank Reich and John Filippo. Well, guess what? His best statistical years came after they left. He succeeded. You can talk about the skill position talent. Look at December of last year. He was succeeding with Boston Scott and Greg Ward and Josh Perkins and Deontay Burnett. The one thing. He, he has always had, and this is the first time he hasn't had it, is a top 10 offensive line. So I think that's the biggest problem. He doesn't trust the protection, and he's lost confidence.
John, before we get out of here, and we're chatting with John McMullen, our NFL insider at JF McMullen on Twitter, curious your thoughts as the Denver Broncos, those tests came back negative, so it looks as if Driscoll was the only individual to actually have COVID, and now a lot of people are upset because other teams were afforded a luxury, if you will, or at least the ability to play later, and it does look like, in hindsight, that if they just move the game a day you would have better quarterback play than some poor kid who was called up from the practice squad as a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, the NFL was sending a message, and and they used the Broncos, and it's not fair, but, I mean, that's where we are. You and I, Aton, have talked about the shaming aspect of this for a long time. They basically shamed three guys for not wearing masks in in meetings. And, you know, they had the video, and they were going to say, look, if you don't do this, you're going to have to play a practice squad guy who played, you know, quarterback in college three years ago before he turned to wide receiver, or or you you better do this. So I don't quick, agree with it. You no, know where I stand. I know you don't, but but let me just throw this real quick. This follow up there. Why didn't Baltimore have to play with guys that they either called up or signed right away? And why wasn't a message sent to Baltimore? Well, the NFL claims the medical people are making these decisions. It's not a competitive advantage thing, so it's not about keeping things fair. Uh, and they're concerned about the spread not being stopped in Baltimore. That's why they push things back. They, they were confident in the spread being stopped in Denver. That's why they played the football game. But, again, I, I mean, it, it's a bad system. <laughs> it's a bad I talked about it all the way back to Matthew Stafford getting a false positive in training camp. It, it, people are focused more on the shame. And I said, you know, if these guys turned out to be healthy, and luckily they are, nobody talks about the back end of that. These guys are all healthy. The vast mm-hmm. majority of them are asymptomatic. What the heck are we doing here? Yeah. John, we appreciate you. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because it's a big story. We won't chat until we think after that game on Tuesday night. But thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, guys. You got thanks, it. John. That's John McMullen, our NFL sure. insider, courtesy of Jacob Media. All right, quick break. We wrap the hour. Remember, overtime, we have a lot going on. Our new pals, Book It Sports, presents overtime at 1 o'clock on phillyvoice.com slash the middle. And also, one more, a positive Barrett Breakdown, all here on the Middle and Sports Map Radio. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.